Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Greetings, comrades, and welcome to the Eastern Border. Originally, I wanted to make this episode about all the weird deaths and explosions and the helicopter crashes and all that whatnot about Ukrainian officials. But, uh, well, when I was digging that one up and understanding who also listens to my show, I understood that um, I'll wait a bit, a week or so maybe. Um, You know, there is some stuff that I know that is a bit time-sensitive and, well, I have some journalist integrity and I don't want to hurt my Ukrainian allies here. But there's uh, plenty of other stuff to talk about. First of all, well, Aristovich said some interesting and harmful things in one of his reports, and then, well, he resigned from his position, which I still don't know exactly what was his position. He was an advisor to President Zelensky, I suppose, but that was all a bit weird. And it's also super weird that um, he's being super defended by a lot of Russian liberal opposition people. Even though, you know, he's not the super Saiyan saint that everyone portrays him as. But um, interestingly enough is that I wanted to know the Ukrainian opinion on this, and it's not as easy and, um, well, simple as you might think. <laughs> even even taking into account the fact that I have not been using Aristotle as a source except one time in the early war because um, his reports, well... Uh, they were less useful to me than you might expect, because he likes to exaggerate things a lot, and that's just from my position. But when I asked um, about this on Twitter, I won't mention the names of people here, because, I don't know, uh, they didn't give me their permission, but to quote comments from a person who was a Ukrainian about Rostovich, that there were claims that, quote, he was mostly working on his personal brand in recent months, and had little to no value policy-wise. And that, quote, Aristovich really is a grifter and a megalomaniac. He almost never admits his mistakes. Also, carrying on, he's also a jack-of-all-trades, master of none. I a psychologist, a military expert, a TV ads actor. He's a shady dude with no clear expertise and too much self-confidence. He had a high point at the beginning of the invasion because a lot of people felt his reports were reassuring and calming. After that, he has said a lot of weird and toxic stuff that really harmed the trust he gained in the first weeks of the invasion. Finally, he spent way too much giving hours-long daily interviews to Fagin, which is a Russian 
blogger, a journalist who now lives in Ukraine and, you know, whom I watch sometimes and War Translated does his reports all the time, but I don't find that astrology that trustworthy, but but um, carrying on from my Ukrainian guy, <clears throat> it felt like he wasn't really doing anything other than media appearances, boosting his personal brand and spreading weird ideas. And carrying on, Aristovich has said many weird bullshit about women, Ukrainian journalists and anti-corruption activists. Finally, in times when Ukrainians are finally getting free of pan-Russian worldview, he says he's a deeply Soviet person pushing some weird revisionist version of history. Now, I couldn't find evidence on the revisionist version of history, but uh, this reminded me that this reminded me that people in Ukraine, whom I met last time I was there, also stated that Aristovich is a problematic figure, to say the least. He's apparently very anti-feminist, and, you know, but not anti-feminist in the sense that uh, there are anti-feminist people in the West. I do have to give this explainer here. It's just that, well, in the Soviet era, those kind of people, they they don't understand really what feminism is, and there's still these interesting views about women here, and just because Soviet Union did actually have a lot of gender equality, in some areas at least, well, in others it was a bit different, of course, but um, it's a complex matter. At any rate, uh, if, if I just say that he's said things about women, it doesn't mean that he's the same way as, as the anti-feminist people in, in the West, just letting you know that. But there was a lot of things about said about him, and one of them was that he's also quite homophobic. That's the deeply Soviet people part. That's the Soviet mentality that I try to rid of. I just wanted to mention on this show that, yeah, although a lot of people claim that this is a weird tragedy and that people are, you know, they shouldn't be arguing amongst themselves, and they really shouldn't, really. There is much more to Rostovich than you might think, and the fact that he has his own, like, brand and such... That is true. Now, I wish only the best for him, because obviously he's done a lot of good as well. But And the fact that he resigned instantly after his mistake, which is a completely enforced one. He could have just kept his mouth shut, but he didn't at that point. Yeah, at least that proves that, you know, despite his faults, and my Ukrainian audience definitely knows that he has many of them, I still consider him to be quite an honorable person, at least from what I've seen. And I'm pretty sure that... A lot of people in the West also will find it the same way. That's the first topic of today, because I need to make this episode somewhat short, because I have a lot of things to do, and I have two recordings tomorrow. One is with Leith from Social Streamers, who does EU, EU4 streaming, and we're going to talk about racism and games, and the other, other part is also about quite, quite racism and all that stuff, and like I mentioned last time, it's going to be with the Secret Police a podcast, and with History Impossible. It's also coming, so busy day tomorrow and a lot of things to prepare. But um, I just noticed the weird advertisements coming from Russia these days. Lately, you know, since technically the first wave of mobilization hasn't even ended since Putin didn't ever sign a paper saying it does and his words said on television mean nothing, yeah, they've started to roll more ads, which have caused a bunch of uproar and shock. See, in Russia, they're now running a bunch of ads aimed at people in the regions outside of Moscow and St. Petersburg. And these ads are all about why you should volunteer to join the army and, and stuff and join this war. But the problem is, is that they're played in a way that's kind of offensive and, well, it's causing a lot of issues to the thinking part of Russia, to the opposition part. Because these ads are 
people stating that their salary is low, that they're totally in debt and that everything's miserable and that they have to work two jobs to make a living and they're tired of all this nonsense, so they're just going to go and volunteer. That's one ad. And the, and the other ad, the grandpa is selling off his his old car just to make ends meet because his pension is low and he's been scammed off of something and then his son just comes in and and basically says daddy you don't have to sell your car because i've signed up and i'll go fight in ukraine and stuff They'll, they're playing up all the realities of life which are in russia outside of moscow basically literally portraying all the negatives and all the impoverished uh corruption filled insanity-filled, crime-ridden stuff that is um, all quite unthinkable to the Western world, and just saying that, hey, you can get this influx of cash if you go in Ukraine, it's going to be great, because they up, play up this, this whole part. At the same time, Russia is airing ads in the Western world <laughs> advertising how they're a better place to um, to migrate to, to, to move to. Uh, they're running ads advertising their vodka, their great education system and all the health and all the industry and cheap energy. And it's kind of weird how you're portraying life in Russia as at the same time better for people who come to your country who probably get mobilized anyways because everyone doesn't like you. And also how uh, you're running like sort of a weird ad underscoring all the terrible realities in the life of rural Russia, all the while asking people to come and join the army. I find this a bit mesmerizing, to be honest. But to talking about nonsense here, yeah, I posted this on Twitter uh, a bit ago, like yesterday, I think, but in this misunderstanding of reality, another weird thing that happened is that one of the YouTube channels that I watch daily, basically, which is full of Russian propaganda and all this stuff. This is what General Kvachkov, uh, Girkin's buddy, goes on to speak about how evil we are here in the West. Girkin's been quoted there often. Gir- like it's Gir- all, the, all of Girkin's friends go to that channel, okay? So, and they posted uh, on thumbnail section another kind of info about their upcoming video, which is about to air soon, so I'll watch it. And the video was how Russia should act as the evil empire everyone else thinks it is. And they invited some, you know, Mikhail Kalashnikov, that Girkin's buddy who runs Roy TV channel, uh, who's a futurologist by his own claims, and has anime girls in his, like, wallpaper there in, in his blog, but whatever. But, uh, yeah, to illustrate this, and I laughed out loud. And by the way, interestingly enough, my editor from Foreign Policy magazine even um, even retweeted this because it was just so silly. Basically, they they looked up something that that would be go- they just googled evil empire. I I'm pretty sure they did because they have they have no idea what they just did. I I'm pretty sure that's a massive fail. So what happens if you Google up evil empire in Russian? Apparently, is that Warhammer 40k stuff pops up. Yes, and not even the video game stuff. No, no, no. Uh, they managed to put in an Imperial Guard Lemon Russ battle tank with some guardsmen, but like the box image. You know, to those of you who who know Warhammer 40k, you must be giggling right now. I, I know that. To, to those of you who have no idea what Warhammer 40k is, that's a tabletop strategy war game, one of the oldest in the world, published and created by British company Games Workshop. And it happens in the very super edgy, grimdark 40, 41st millennium. And there's this massive imperium of man, which is basically a gothic Catholic church in space mixed with a bit of fascism thrown in it. it it's weird, okay? Uh, everything is so dark to the point of being hilarious, okay? The, the good guy faction, sort of, who claim to be the good guys and the sort of good guy, the Tau, uh, they ran concentration camps and forced sterilization. The setting is ultra dark, okay? 
And it's a tabletop game where you glue miniatures together and paint them and play games with them. You know, strategy stuff. And these guys on the propaganda channel just typed in Evil Empire and it got them to the Imperium of Man, Imperial Guard, or as they say now, Astra Militarum, which I totally disagree with, but whatever. The box set. So now, now Warhammer 40k, a British tabletop game, has been used for propaganda reasons, which I also found hilarious. And finally, finally there's an article about um, the war, thanks to War Translated. These guys are great, because they do translating stuff, where Igor Girkin, our buddy here, gave commentary to Russian SV Press, a publication. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. On the timelines of the further, further progress of the Russian forces in Donbass. And here's a translation of this thing. SV Pressa. Even in the summer, analysts voiced that Russia will take several months to liberate the front lines of Sheversk's Solidar Bakhmut. And now these months have passed, and the enemy's line of defense is gradually shifting to the west. Sooner or later, the armed forces of Ukraine will roll back to the next line. Sovlyansk, Kramatorsk, Druzhovka, Konstantinovka. How do we break it? Do we continue going straight ahead or around? Maybe to the south, or maybe better to the north? What kind of scenarios can be there? The question of what will happen next is better to identify in advance, as it would be nice to find an answer to it in advance. The space in front of the line of cities from Slovyansk in the north to Konstantinovka in the south can be occupied. All the way to Bakhmut there are only fields and small villages. American military experts even say, quote, the left bank of Dnieper is a desert. That is, the Russians can get through this territory relatively easily. But how to take one fortified area that is essentially elongated from north to south? Here one city passes into another. Apparently, we will again have to gnaw through step by step, freeing the west of Donbas. It will be necessary to act more cunningly to manure, but it, to manure, but is it possible? To answer this question, and I quote from the article here, we turn to the ex-minister of defense of the Donetsk People's Republic. Ah, that's a nice way how to how to lick Girkin's butt, but whatever. The head of the social movement Novorossiya, Igor Strelkov. Uh, I will still call him Girkin. Not a chance I'll ever call him Strelkov. Who believes that it is premature to talk about reaching the line between Slovyansk and Kramatorsk? That is, however, very true. Quote. And then he responds. So far, there is no discussion even about the capture of Bakhmut, because the battles for this city continue. And it has been under siege for a long time. Therefore, to say that we will so soon go to Slovyansk can only be corrected relatively soon. In general, my position on the operation which is being carried out by the Russian military command at the Donbass is quite well known and is defined by the words, it is yet to be done. All over the world, it has long been customary to bypass defense nodes, to force the enemy to leave them without a fight. 
and we decided to act according to the patterns of the First World War, and it is and it is and in its worst versions. I'm sorry, like I said, have to rush this one a bit. It's hard for me to say when our troops will reach the line Slovyansk, Kramatorsk, uh, Konstantinovka. Maybe relatively soon, maybe not very soon. Maybe in the coming months they won't reach it at all. There's a fairly large foot foreground there and the quote-unquote respectable Ukrainian partners will not leave without a fight. But in any case, even if we reach this line, it'll be a pity if these cities are also destroyed during offensive operations as Bakhmut has now been destroyed. And it, will e- and it will be even more difficult to take them because they are much larger, much more strongly fortified. If in Solyadar, before the start of the special operation, the population was just over 10,000 people, then Kramatorsk until 2014 was a city of 150,000 people. No Wagner group is enough to take the agglomeration by storm. This will require way more forces. Frankly, I do not share the victorious and, as they say, ultra-patriotic moods of our media after the capture of Solyadar. After all, this victory means practically nothing compared to, just for example, the surrender of Kherson. And even the surrender of the much larger city of Izium, which happened during the so-called regrouping, but in fact it was a retreat of our troops from the Kharkiv region. SV Presa continues. But after all, the armed forces of Ukraine also suffer, in your words, ultra-casualties. But the leadership in Kyiv planned this. They are preparing reserves in the rear, but do not bring them into battle. This happened near, P- near Popasna, which is in Luhansk, near Severodonetsk, near Lysychansk. And later, they threw these forces into a counterattack on Kherson. Are we seeing the same picture now? And Girkin responds. The enemy still retain their reserves. Moreover, they create new ones. They do not bring them into battle, do not expose to our blows the most combat-ready units intended for offensive operations on their side. Instead of them, the territorial defense is firing. Various reserve units formed from mobilized. And they hold back the staff units, as they did last summer when our troops stormed positions in Severodonetsk, Lyshansk, and then Piski. Whether the enemy is going to strike or whether he keeps these units in reserve to repel our offensive, I do not have this information. Since the only source of information about the enemy's forces for me is the internet. And this source is very incomplete and unreliable. Hey, Girkin, you should have listened to the Eastern Border. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I'm pretty sure he never will because he doesn't understand English, so that's a bit of a saving grace here. But carrying on. But I look at which parts of them are involved in Solyadar and in Bakhmut, and state the fact that there are no shock units and formations of the armed forces of Ukraine at the forefront. SV Presse, and this is the final one, this is not a very long article. What would you advise our chief commanders to do? Or is it not worth doing this at all, keeping military secret? And Girkin responds in his awesome fashion, which is why I like to include as much of him in this show as humanly possible, because we see his doomer Girkin voice just going downhill as this war progresses on. Which is interesting. I don't know. As I'm going to write a book after this war about all of this, there's going to be a special Girkin check in every chapter because he's gone down, he's been to the front, he's lost his head. He's done all sorts of crazy shenanigans. You got to love You got to love this man for just being so bizarre in all of his weird villainy. But uh, <laughs> I sidetracked once again, just to finish this one. Our command does not need advice. It does not listen to them, and often acts illogically and completely opposite to what is required. They did not carry out an offensive operation on Dnipro to cut through enemies' communications between the Dnieper and Donbas. They won't do it now. And in Mariupol, the enemy left the garrison just enough to, or- to order to divert our forces to it. Now it has become more difficult for us. Everywhere, from the Kinburn spit in the south between the Dnieper and the Black Sea... To the border with Belarus in the north, the enemy has formed a continuous line of defense. I don't know what our military leaders will do, and it's useless to advise them anything. 
According to the ex-Minister of Defense of the Donetsk People's Republic, now SV Press continues, now one can see a kind of repetition of the same picture that emerged in the spring and summer when the armed forces of Ukraine in the Donbass deliberately fought to deplete the potential of Russian troops in those fortified positions. Yet, the armed forces of Ukraine fail to treat lose ground after fierce heavy fighting, but their failures are tactical. But they do not touch their strategic reserves. Perhaps they are preparing to repel our future offensive in other more promising areas. Or maybe they are planning on victory somewhere. They, that is the Ukrainians, are surrendering their positions on the fortified Solidar Bakhmut line, not trying to make serious breakthroughs. They do not send their main forces there, if, of course, the <clears throat> Bandera regime still has them. But according to Girkin, well, Strelkov, whatever, the management of the battle by our Western opponents remains clear and thoughtful, although very bloody. Now, to comment on this, because I can't just give you this article without comments, it's not one of those wicked events one, the fact is that uh, Russians are very aware of what's going to happen in April because, uh, as far as I know, 500 specialists are being trained by the United States right now. And there's promise of tanks, promise of everything happening. And, to quote one of my favorite video games of all time, overconfidence is a slow and insidious killer. So, not to be overconfident in all of the situation is one of the smartest things Ukrainians can do. But right now, well, as we can see here, the Russian side is the one which is filled with dread and uncertainty. They are looking at the Ukrainians to do something, and I'm pretty sure Ukrainians will attack only when it's totally guaranteed that they will break through. And to that, they're looking up for, you know, Western heavy weaponry and their own training. And that's why it's a bit of a shame that we still have to punch Schultz to actually send those Leopard tanks. And punched he should be, because, well, like I said, there are no two Russias. The, 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 the one Russia that's fighting in Ukraine is the Russia that is threatening everyone else. And who's going to attack Germany? Like, how? It's so weird. I mean, if you defeat Russia now, then there will be no Russia to threaten you in the future. So, this is for all of us in a way. But yeah, that's it for today. Like I said, a bit, bit short, but still very intense and lots of work because again two interviews tomorrow and i have an estonian listener who's coming to visit in the morning so i hope he's coming in the morning because i don't know how i'll manage everything you know the one day that you plan it's gonna be weird but yeah uh well let's end with the usual stuff then i suppose if you want to support the show please consider becoming a patreon on patron patreon.com slash eastern border and if you're if you want to give us a one-time donation which I'll be frank with you, I, I really want to... <laughs> a guy on Facebook is selling off the whole complete Soviet uh, Soviet sci-fi collection translated in Latvian. That was the series in the world of sci-fi, and it has Azimov's iRobot and everything. It's 51 books, and half of the money is going to Ukraine. And uh, it, 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 for, for my sci-fi fan inside me, having all the classics was just awesome. But it's 250 euros, and I just moved. Painful. <sighs> That's going to go into some you know, library for the fan, for the sci-fi and fantasy society if I get this ever, because oh, that was a bit crazy. But also preparing for Ukraine, so if you want to support our show with a one-time donation, then please go to the Eastern Border.lv and click the donate button there. And I'm speaking kind of fast now, because I have to rush, but yeah, and even if you don't don't support the show, it's just really important that you listen, actually, and, you know, to keep you informed. I don't like to do these segments about, you know, how to support the show and whatever, but Truth to be told, you guys are literally paying my salary. I don't have another day job because I wouldn't be able to run the show as I do because this is a full-time job. It takes about, well, eight hours per day, a bit of a minimum since I do translating stuff and I do communications and I have to 
basically dig through all this nonsense. So thank you guys, because you are all of you, all of you comrades, you're my boss. Don't have another one. That's about it. But yeah, до свидания, товарищ. And as always, remember that happiness is mandatory. And uh, massive thank you to all of you guys who support me, because once again, deeply thankful for everything. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.